I wanted to get our next guest on because he is associate professor of political science at the University of Calgary and one of the country's leading experts on Arctic defense. His name is Rob Hubert. He's been on the Kelly Cotrera show many, many times. This um, headline caught my eye. Canada was left out of a key trilateral defense pact. And that's a problem, according to a U.S. think tank. Uh, this uh, pact is known as AUKUS. Here to talk about it is Rob. Rob, welcome to the program. Always my pleasure, Kelly. So tell us about uh, who's in AUKUS and, and what the deal is. Uh, what, what's, what is its goal? Well, what it started off with is that the Australians, who are very um, cognitive of living next to China and the defensive needs, and hence of being serious with their defense to the degree Canadians can only wish about, um, had realized that they needed to get nuclear attack subs to be able to provide the type of defensive systems uh, that are required in today's Asia-Pacific threat environment. They'd had a deal with the French to get conventional powered subs and realized that that was not going to fit the bill for the threat they faced. And so to get out of that deal, they, of course, had to have another deal. And so that they worked with the Brits, who then brought in the Americans about getting them a nuclear-powered submarine. And to that degree, they then realized that to facilitate it the best way, they'd create this new organization that would allow for a greater expediency and sharing of technology, design, and proceeding to get the Australians the, uh, the vessels that they uh, require. And what has been discovered since is, of course, that it goes simply beyond the issue of getting them the submarines in terms of really facilitating cooperation at the highest level and, and many of the capa capabilities that the Australians are now acquiring. So the difference, I mean, I'm not well versed, obviously, in uh, the area of submarines. Uh, what's the difference between a submarine that they had and a nuclear uh, submarine? And why is that, uh, you know, preferred? Well, it's, it's an issue of distance and speed. Nuclear submarines always have a much greater, higher speed underwater. Conventional powered subs go, the technology allows them to go reasonably fast underwater, but nowhere near as quickly as what a nuclear powered sub can go. And a nuclear powered sub can remain underwater. Its only limiting factor is when you have to feed the, uh, the people running the ship. In other words, it produces, it's got so much power, it produces its own air. It does not have to surface. Uh. And so if you're covering that vast expanses of what you have in the uh, in the Pacific region and you're trying to keep accounts in, in, in presumably an aggressive env environment uh, regarding the Chinese, having that speed, having that capability, having the ability to remain hidden is something that just simply is miles above what a conventional powered submarine will give you. I want to ask you about this uh, comment. Former Australian Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull told the CBC News that it's his understanding Canada was not invited because of its longstanding aversion to acquiring nuclear subs. Is that because we don't want to uh, make the spend or we don't think that they are what is required and we know that we have to defend our Arctic Circle? But um, what is the whole reasoning here? Well, here's the thing. Anybody who has studied this with any seriousness, when you look at the ocean space that Canada has to defend, will come to the conclusion that, in fact, to properly protect our undersea um, areas, you need nuclear-powered subs. And in fact, Canada in 1965, and again back in 1987, you know, seriously considered getting nuclear subs. 
Part of the problem is that there is a there is a, a pushback in certain segments of Canadian society that associates nuclear power with nuclear weapons. Now they're they're yeah. different, uh, and so this confounding of the issue politically makes it sensitive. Uh, the second factor is, of course, nuclear powered capabilities. Is it gives you a much better submarine, except for quiet. I mean, there's certain technical things that a conventional sub will do better. But ultimately, if you're dealing with great distances, um, it's still nuclear. If you're dealing with under ice, it's nuclear powered, um, but it's more expensive. You have to pay for it. So and this is inevitably, about, this is political then? Uh, it's totally political. I mean, you compare us to Australia, Australia that has two thirds the size of Canada, and they are very serious about getting it because they appreciate the Chinese threat that they are facing. You look in Canada and you have a government that can't even be honest in terms of when it starts tracking uh, political interference. Mm -hmm. I mean, every day uh, there's a new uh, 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 piece of information coming out about how the government either ignored or lied to the Canadian public on this. And to be frank, the reason they get away with that is because the Canadian public, to a large degree, just simply kind of shrugs its shoulders at all of this. And so... It allows politicians to say, you know what, even though we know better, even though we know a nuclear powered sub is what we need in the current environment, uh, we're going to get away with not going with it because the Canadian public doesn't seem to be too concerned, even though the threat is there. Full stop. Rob, when I spoke to you a while back, we were talking about the fact that the British subs were going to be doing training missions in uh, our Arctic waters. Are we now... Are we becoming a hanger on here when it comes to just depending on our allies? And when we're left out of these um, the, these groups, does it mean uh, that our allies are losing faith in us and just don't want to work that hard for us? There's all sorts of growing evidence that this has been um, uh, developing since at least um, five, six years ago. Uh, year goes. Uh, we've got, of course, the release of those um, Washington papers that the Americans are increasingly becoming concerned that we are much too isolationist and not willing to pull our weight. There is, of course, the issue of the NATO 2%. Um, you see the British you know, offering to help us in the Arctic, which is a nice way of saying you're not doing it, so we better do it to make sure that the Russians aren't able to, to, to make a move into that area in the event of a conflict. And all the evidence is clear that the Allies are seeing us as the laggard on almost every count. Uh, we're not included in much of the discussions nowadays, because why would you include Canada when Canada will give it, you know, give its allies its hearts and prayers, but when it comes to hard cash, actually getting down and organizing its forces, I mean, we're 10,000 uh, troops um, understaffed. Uh, we took how long to make the decision on the F-35, which was a purely political decision. We're nowhere near for the submarine replacement. You don't see where the frigate replacement is going. And for the NORAD modernization, we're giving a lot of good talk and we're saying we're going to do a lot of good stuff in six years. But again, it's it's very difficult to see how any of our allies, if they're being honest, would have, retain any faith that we are going to be able to pull our weight in a, in a growingly dangerous international environment. And if somebody attacks from the top, I believe that um, we've been behaving like the lazy kid in our parents' basement, hoping that they're going to provide for us. You know, we can't depend on the fact that the Americans are going to rush up to our defense right away. 
Well, the Americans will defend in terms of how they see their own defense. And that's what ultimately our government has 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 relied on. It says that it's in the American interest to be able to do this. But the big fear is, of course, the Americans will reach a point, and it's clear with the changing relationship we have with both the, well, mainly with the Republicans, but we see it with the Democrats as well. We will be just seen as another foreign entity instead of the special relationship. Right. And when that comes, then you're going to see real transgressions on Canadian sovereignty, not just Arctic sovereignty, but in regards to the Americans, if they think that we are not do, pulling our weight as we agreed to way back in 1940, if we're not pulling our weight in the Americans' views, they're going to take the actions to do so. Canadian sovereignty and sensitives to be damned. And I mean, so we face a twin threat here. We face the threat of not doing enough that we're already not being taken seriously in the ACUS and other defense relationships. But we're also going to be facing a threat from increasing American ignoring of our sovereignty if they think that they have to do what they have to do. And I, so once again, I see nothing coming good out of this. Rob, I have to leave it at that, but I appreciate your time and we'll talk again soon. I look forward to that, Kelly. Cheers. Rob Hubert, Associate Professor of Political Science at the University of Calgary, one of the country's leading experts on Arctic defense.